0: Oh, on means it turns it on. Okay, I got it. I'll remember that next time. <laughs> but it's a it's a privilege and an honor to stand here today uh uh I've uh, we can leave now and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. I've enjoyed the music and the spirit and uh, fellowship so far and uh Thank you for frontline uh, front line for those beautiful songs and uh, the spirit in which they were sung. And uh, all glory be to the Lord. Appreciate all the hard work they put into it. Uh, they're all talented, but the talent comes from the Lord, and, and they practice a lot. There's a lot of people back there. I thought, boy, this ain't going to be too bad. <laughs> but remember our pastor this morning as he's in Tucson uh, remember our, our uh, church in Tucson our, uh, that uh, the, Lord would, uh, the Lord knows the needs there and I pray that uh, uh, they would find a pastor uh, church has to have a pastor <laughs> and uh, grateful that uh, our pastor is willing to go and, and, and help out and, uh, but just keep them in your prayers if, if you would and, uh, and I know you will, but thank you for being here this morning, and may God richly bless you. And I honestly believe that nobody's here by accident this morning. <laughs> uh, I don't th- Even if you just woke up and decided, well, I think I'll go to church today. Have, uh, th- I don't think that was an accident. <laughs> God's got us all here for a reason, and uh, may we honor and glorify him in that reason, and may his word go forth and be a help. Uh, Good news for you this morning, I've only got two points. (laughs) The bad news is it's 12 pages of notes. (laughs) But if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of John, John's Gospel, Chapter 5. And uh, I want to think about a thought this morning, help for the hopeless and hope for the helpless. We'll look at the first nine verses of the book of John, chapter 5, and uh, as you're turning there, let's uh, let's uh, bow our head in prayers this morning. Father, Lord, we are grateful to be in your house this morning, and Lord, we do thank you for the uplifting music, Lord, and Lord, how good praise songs and worship songs, Lord, uh, prepare our hearts, Lord, uh, for your word, Lord, and and for your honor and your glory. Father, you've been so good to us. Lord, sometimes we forget how good you are to us, Father, but you never left us, you'll never forsake us, and that's your promise. And Lord, we thank you for that this morning. I just pray as the word goes forth this morning that it may be a blessing to somebody or help to somebody. And Lord, I pray for our pastor, Joel as he is sharing your word in Tucson this morning or this afternoon. Father, I pray that you would just Bless him, Lord, and bless the people that are here. Be with the church down there, Father. We just pray that your will and way would be done, Father. And for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, chapter 5, John chapter 5, and the first nine verses. Of course, there was a man uh, healed at the pool of Bethesda in this text. And uh, there's a lot of applications for us today. And the word Bethesda... Uh, What's the word Bethesda mean? House of mercy. And uh, in this case, in these verses, we see it was a house of misery for many people. Uh, The pool was situated where there was an intermittent stream of moving water, the Bible tells us. And a descending angel would come down. And a lot of liberals have disputed the fact that it was a descending angel. But in Revelation chapter 16, verse 5 uh talks about the angel of the waters and in some way or another i don't know how but in some way or another the waters moved and they had a they had a, a power <laughs> a particular a power <laughs> and uh peculiar that's what i'm trying to say i got to praise the lord <laughs> but uh and and uh I don't know, the, the effect of the bubbling water moving upon the afflicted bodies of the people indicated the presence of God. And uh, there was five porches that were covered areas where sick folk would lay and await the opportunity to get to the healing uh, pool, to get into the pool and be healed, as you, I'm sure you're familiar with the story. And uh, as we read uh, verse 1, the Bible says... After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which called in Hebrew Bethesda, which means house of mercy. And having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of six peop- sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down with a certain time of the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in this condition for a long time, Jesus said, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have, I have no man to put me in the pool. Where the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said unto him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately, immediately, he was made whole. And uh, the day was the Sabbath. Uh, We'll just go ahead and finish. And the Jews therefore said to him who was cured... Is it the Sabbath? Is it not lawful for you to carry your bed? Jesus answered them, He who made me well said to him, Take up, I'm sorry, he, he answered them, He who made me well said, Take up your bed, walk. And then they asked him, Who is this man said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who he was. For Jesus had withdrawn, and the multitude being in that place, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. And he said to him, See that you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Uh, Jesus, we see in our text, Jesus was attracted to one poor sufferer. And thank God he never lost sight of the individual. <laughs> uh, there was a, a multitude of people. And you, you may feel like you're at a multitude of people <laughs> And are in a group of people, but Jesus knows you. He knows your heart. He never loses sight of the individual. Now, our man in the text today, the, the layman, he is a picture of a sinner. Obviously, he was powerless, uh, he was impotent, he was without power. Everyone, everyone laying around a the pool, uh, they lacked power. Some couldn't see, some couldn't hear, some couldn't walk. Uh, obviously, no one could heal themselves. The Bible, if you notice, often illustrates sin with disease sometimes because disease to a body is a clear picture of what sin does to a soul. It's a picture of that. Uh, That's not to say that if you're sick this morning, uh, you've sinned. (laughs) Uh, That's not to say that at all. Some suffer more than others. We know that in life. Some suffer, and it's not necessarily because they sin more than others. But the the devil, if you're if you have an infirmity this morning, the devil sometimes would like to lay that guilt trip on you, and we shouldn't go there, <laughs> you know, because that's not the case. But in another sense, all sickness, even death, is sin in general. If you remember back in in the garden, it came up on the world. Uh, now. Personal sin does carry consequences. We all know that. Uh, for instance, putting harmful agents into our body can make us sick. and sometimes deathly sick. The Bible says our body is a temple of God, and we shouldn't defile it. But I think people are out of bounds when we get judgmental about somebody that has an affliction or has some kind of illness in their life that's come upon them. And uh, I don't know. I remember being young in a in a General Baptist get together, and uh, some uh, people were talking, and they said, uh, talking about how all, all these all these illnesses that uh, brother uh, sister so and so has, and I heard one lady say, I "Wonder what they've been doing," <laughs> so, and it's like that that's not the case. Sin, you know, sicknesses always result in sin. If you go over to John chapter nine and the first three verses. The Bible says, And Jesus passed by, and he saw a man that was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him. This was his disciples. They asked him, saying, Master, who sinned here? Did he sin? Was it his parents? Uh, Why was he born blind? Uh, And Jesus answered, and he said, Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God may be manifest. See, God's a sovereign God. He knows what we don't know. You know, he's telling them, you can put away this notion, it's because of sin. Uh, he was born blind for a greater purpose. And those are God's decisions. <laughs> those are God's decisions. And in this case, we, we, you know, you read God's going to heal him, and then God gets a glory for it. But elsewhere, we find sometimes God chooses one of his children for suffering. Uh, Sometimes God has a better purpose for not healing them. Uh, maybe it's so they can glorify Him by enduring it. Uh, remember, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Uh, and sometimes others can see the miracle of God's grace working in their life, and they get a new perspective on their life. But whatever the case, with all that said, this particular case in our text in chapter 5, this man's sickness... Is tied to personal sin, and we'll see that later. But verse uh, verse fourteen, he said, thirty-eight years before he brought upon himself by sin so is unknown to us. But the point is, sometimes the Bible uses physical uh, sickness to illustrate what sin does to a person spiritually, uh, and you can't see that on the outside. But uh, sometimes it does may manifest on the side. But for you know. Spiritual uh, a blindness sometimes in the Bible is, is used as an example of what? Spiritual blindness. Second uh, Corinthians 4 4 said, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Spiritual deafness. If you look at uh, Isaiah chapter 42 and verses 17 through 18, the Bible says, They shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed. That trust and graven image that they say to the molten image you are our gods Hear ye deaf look blind that you may see the truth is this morning and it's no news flash sin ravages sin destroys sin withers and sin weakens and we don't hear a lot about sin in some churches today because people don't want to hear about it <laughs> you know they they want to they want to go you know hear a nice sermonette uh, preach to Christianettes by a preacherette and feel good about, you know, I go to church to feel good. And you should feel good when you're in the house of the Lord. But sometimes you need to be told the truth, too. <laughs> it's not always about bringing out the champion in you. You know, it's it's getting right with God. and Sin destroys. We know that. It's, uh, there was a following poem that was written about a person that got caught up in immorality immor- it was written by William Blake and it's just a short poem reader for you it said O rose it's about a rose it's called the sick rose it said O rose thou art sick the invisible worm the flies in the night and the howling of the storm has found out thy bed of crimson joy and his dark secret love does thy life destroy how many times have we seen in the life of young people a beautiful rose of innocence that's destroyed by sin by sin. They make an emotional decision that can ruin the rest of their life, or at least make the rest of their life very difficult to live. Someone said, I know you heard it before, sin always takes you further than you want to go, makes you stay longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than what you want to pay. John uh, uh Shalit, he was, uh, was a guy I read about. He was, he was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, and shortly after his family moved to Pulaski where he grew up, and he began singing, and, and he was showing interest in music, and he was a good musician from, from a very young age. And he left Mount Pulaski High School. He graduated in 1968, and in 1972, he joined a rock band called Head East, and he was the lead singer. He was He was the lead singer of the group, and they produced several hits during the 70s. And I'm, I look around, and uh, a lot of people don't remember the '70s, <laughs> but uh, but he did it, and he was he was very successful. But during that time, he developed a dependency on cocaine and alcohol, and it reached a peak when he retired from the band in, in March 1980, and his addiction infested into a six-month depression. And when he came, he came very close to suicide. He was contemplating suicide because he couldn't beat this addiction. This addiction had a stronghold on him. He was powerless, and he felt, you know, his worth. He he felt like he was worth more dead than alive. And people, uh, that can happen. And he began, somehow, he began planning to end his life. And it was the night before his wife, she became a born-again Christian, and she convinced him to go see her pastor. Uh, knowing his condition and he confesses that he complied only so that uh, he could have the ability to say I tried you know, uh, honey I went to the pastor I tried I tried talking to him but however uh, God convicted him in that meeting and he was uh, immediately became a born again Christian and immediately left drugs and alcohol and five years later he received a call and was invited to uh, audition for a Christian band called Petra, maybe some of you have heard of it, and he got the job, and, and long story short, he won four Grammys, numerous Doves of world, he, he, uh, Dove's Awards, he traveled around 35 countries, and uh, all 50 states, but without God, he was like the man in our text this morning, he was powerless over sin, and in natural, we all are powerless over sin. You may feel like you're powerless this morning. I don't. I don't know everybody here. Uh, you don't know. You know. You don't know me. You don't know what somebody's going through. You, you just don't know the struggles that they have. And uh, you know, some sin has a, a chokehold on you, but Jesus has the power to deliver. And we see it in our text this morning. He He's all powerful. Uh, but this man was powerless, and secondly, he was hopeless, helpless. Uh, verse seven: as a quadriplegic, he was, you know, he was motionless, without help, and and that's another picture of what sin does to us spiritually. It renders us hopeless. Uh, some people are slaves to the same thought pattern over and over and over again, you know. You want to be delivered from it. You're tired of it. it. You're tired of living this way. You feel helpless. So what happens eventually, you just accept it. This is the way it is. It's not going to get any better. Have, have you ever been in a situation where you, there's, it's just not going to get any better? We've tried everything. It's not going to get any better. And so it becomes a habit. But God tells us to rise out of our comfort zone. Uh, get out of the comfort zone. We don't have to accept a situation like that any longer. You don't have to any longer. You can walk away from a victim's mentality because believers in Christ are not victims. You may have been victimized by something or someone, but you're not a victim this morning. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, you are a victor through Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.13 says what? I could do all things through Christ which strengthen me. He didn't say, you, you know, Paul didn't say, I can do some of the small things through Christ which strengthen me. He said, all things, no matter what you're going through this morning, there is victory in Jesus. We sent the old hymn song, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Thank God. Romans 8, uh, 31 says what? If God be us? what? Who can be against us? Who? You got God on your side; nobody can be against you. Uh, you remember the, the pattern Israel got stuck in. Uh, when you read the Old Testament, they'd have a great victory. Then what? They build idols. They they got a pattern. Uh, Judges ten sixes, and the children of Israel did what? Evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, the Bible, uh, I believe, it's in New Testament, c- c- compares it to dogs re- returning to the vomit. <laughs> have a great victory, and are pigs. Going back to the mud, my uh, uh, my grandpa in Kentucky. When I was a kid, I used to spend summers there, and he had a bunch of hogs, and they just loved to play in the mud. Uh, They 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 did. That's why that's their nature. (laughs) That's their nature. Uh, Sheep like to stay clean. They graze on the pretty grass, but uh, you know, that's that because that's their nature. That's their nature. And we have a sin nature, and if we don't surrender fully to Christ, what happens? We return to the mud sometimes. Uh, I think seven, uh, verse 7 is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. It says uh, it "Said the sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up but while I am coming another steps before me. Can you, get, can you picture that? You know the psalmist said No one cares for my soul, but my goal is that no one in our area would be able to say, my goal is nobody here leaves this house this morning, this church this morning, church house this morning thinking nobody cares for your soul, because they do. Jesus cares. He knows what you feel right now. Some of you have joy this morning. Thank God for that. and We should all have the joy of the Lord in our hearts, but There is some people hurting. I'm sure in a crowd like this, of tens of thousands of people that are here this morning. I'm saying that because he's taping this. (laughs) uh, Somebody, even in a small group, somebody's hurting. Somebody's going through something. Somebody, you know, maybe somebody feels helpless this morning. Maybe somebody feels hopeless this morning. I don't know why we're looking at John chapter 5 this morning. To be honest with you, I had something else in mind this week but I kept coming back to this uh, think about he was laid there for 38 years now some of you can't do this but some of us can think about where you were 38 years ago <laughs> think about I was half the man I am today <laughs> uh, weight wise <laughs> but you know the longer the longer I've been alive you know Think about how many, how, we've all been to the doctor's office. I had a, a went uh, to see a doctor not too long ago, and they said, you know, come here at 1045 for check-in. Your appointment's at 11, and I got there at 1040. <laughs> I, I was five minutes late, and the lady goes, you yeah, are supposed to be here at 1045. <laughs> and uh, I said, I apologize. And she, you know, so I got sighted in. And then I sat there 35 minutes, 35 minutes waiting for them to call my name. <laughs> and then I, I wanted to say I was supposed to be in there at 11, but I didn't. I didn't. But, but think, think of you sitting at a doctor's office for 38 years, and you haven't even seen a doctor yet. <laughs> you know, once, and only once a year a nurse would come out and call, you know, say next. And everybody makes a bad, you know, a mad dash To get to the door, and whoever got there first was the next patient. That would be pretty discouraging, wouldn't it? Uh, Year after year after year, you know, the door opens next, and you can't you can't you know you get beat you get beat to the door, and so there was no hope. He'd laid in this condition for thirty eight years for 38 years and in his mind he would be this way the rest of his life you know at this point he just lays I I, I honestly believe he lays by the pool simply because there's no other place to go where's he going to go so you know some people and maybe some people here this morning or somebody have had a situation where you've literally given up hope you may not publicly admit it. You may not tell your family, but deep down, you give up hope. You've given up hope. You, you've gone through so much. The situation's been around for so long, maybe 38 years, maybe two, two years, however long it was, and you feel like you're giving up hope this morning. And it could be a, a, a relationship. I'm, I'm giving up you know we've tried and tried I'm giving up on this relationship. It could be financial I, I'm never going to get out of debt I'm never going to get this you know you take one step forward two steps back I finally saved up a couple hundred dollars and blew a tire this week and you know it just seems like things aren't getting any better maybe it's work you, you know you, you're in a job you don't like and you don't see it getting any better maybe it is a, a physical infirmity I know people uh, that go to this church They've they've got serious health issues But this passage teaches us anything at all. It teaches that when Jesus Christ comes on the scene, nothing is impossible. Nothing is hopeless. I've read a few times throughout my life that a person, a man or a woman, can live a few weeks, I don't know how many, but a few weeks without food. I wouldn't want to try it. (laughs) But they could live a few weeks without food. A few days, not many, but a few days without water. And you can only last you know, a few minutes without oxygen. But I don't think anybody can really live one second without hope, <laughs> without hope. I read this story, uh, it brought tears to my eyes when I read it. And I Put it in here, just, there was a teacher. Uh, she had a unique job of going to uh, children's hospitals uh, long term that was her assignment she didn't have a classroom or a school to go to but she was going to to these children's hospitals long term and, and that along there would break your heart uh, in 2006 I had a, a great niece that uh, got a, attacked by a dog and she's uh, thank God she made it but they called me the night it happened and I went to the hospital and I saw her and in my mind I thought she was only two I thought she's not going to make it it was terrible. It was terrible. And she had uh, so many wounds and so many surgeries since then. <clears throat> and uh, I decided, you know, I talked to, I, got, I went there every night and I, for a while, for a summer. And I got to, I started visiting some of the other children because I got to know some of the nurses. You're up, you know, you're around people, you talk. And I got to know some of the nurses, and I thought, I said, is there anybody, I, you know, any kids that are well enough I could go talk to, maybe try to cheer up, she goes, Yeah, that would be great, Pastor. And I'd go in and talk to him and just <laughs> break my heart. And I decided that I, you know, I I got paperwork. I thought, I want to volunteer to do this. I worked day shift and, I, you know, I just wanted to go be with those kids. But the, the Lord had other plans. But it made me think of this when I read this story. She had a unique job of teaching kids in the hospital long term. And uh, it was so. You know, obviously, they wouldn't get too far behind in their studies, so she she served as kind of a tutor. And every day, she would she would get a name. Maybe it wasn't the same kid every day, but she would get a name, and a room, and a lesson. You know what she was supposed to teach that particular child. And one day, she was given a grammar lesson <laughs> on nouns and verbs. And uh, every kid loves to, especially if you're sick, they want to learn about nouns and verbs. You know, that's pretty exciting and uh but they sent her to the burn unit and she didn't know until she got in the room how bad it was the boy was wrapped in a gauze from head to toe and he was in so much pain just a little just a little guy and uh this was going to be his first lesson since he'd had an accident uh, got burned up a few weeks later and you can imagine how she felt you know and so she introduced herself to the, to the young man, and, and she began her lesson, and this, this poor kid could barely groan and, and acknowledge her. And she felt bad. She, you know, so here she is. this kid's in so much pain, and she's trying to teach him verbs and nouns and adjectives and pronouns and participles and all, all the things that you know kids like to think about. And she walked down the hospital hallway on her way to the student. Uh, you know, she did what she had to do, and then uh, she, she gave the lesson, and, and like I said, she felt bad about the whole time. The next day, she was back at the, she was back at the hospital, and they'd given her another, another patient, another child, another lesson, and when they, you know, when she walked down there on her way to the student, that little boy in the burn unit that she was working with the day before yesterday, or the, the day before, he saw her, and he said, what did you do to that boy yesterday? And she melted and she started, she said, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, I, that was my job, I had to, I had to teach a lesson. And uh, you know, she, she, said, uh, she told the nurse, she said, I'm sorry that I added to the stress in his life at this time and she was going on and on and the nurse stopped her and said, no, no. She goes, she goes, what I'm saying is, he's totally turned around. She said, he hadn't been responding to treatment. He hadn't been responding to medicine. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't even trying for us. He was lethargic in his spirit and, and he'd given up. And today, that kid is a different person. You know, she said, his levels are better. Uh, there's a look in his eyes. And she said, she said, Ma'am, I just want to know what you did in there. And she said, I taught him about nouns <laughs> and verbs. And later, after the boy got a little better, she got to talk to him and and the nurses. And they found out what happened on that day when she was in there giving him his lesson. While he was laying there, this little boy thought, for sure, I'm going to die. It's over. My life is over. And he said, they're just not telling me. He thought, you know, they're just just not telling me. And uh, he'd given up. He'd given up. But when the teacher, he said... When she came in and taught me that lesson, I thought to myself, they wouldn't teach grammar to a kid that's dying. (laughs) He said, That doesn't make any sense. And they wouldn't teach, and, and, you know, he said, They wouldn't teach grammar to a boy who's dying. And he said, Why would they? Then he said, I realized then and there I was going to (laughs) live. What happened? He got hope. (laughs) He got hope. He received hope. Whatever you're facing this morning, God didn't bring you here today to hear these words right now of hope for no reason at all, <laughs> because it's not hopeless. Whatever situation you're in, it's not hopeless. Living a Christian life can only be lived <clears throat> through Jesus Christ. So this paralyzed man at the pool, he was powerless, helpless, and hopeless for 38 years. And that's a long time. Now believe me, when you're my age, 38 years goes by fast, but it's still almost four decades. That's a long time to be in an infirmity. And so we see a picture of the sinner there. Then secondly, we see the power of our Savior. Thank God. And we look at what he sees. This is, we talked about what the sinner saw. This is what he sees. And like I said earlier, he sees the individual. He sees you personally. You're here in a group this morning at, at International I start say Beulah Baptist Church. You're here in a group this morning at Lamb International Baptist Church. But he doesn't just see you as somebody sitting in a group. He sees you individually. He knows your heart. He knows everything. We don't need to cover up anything from God. Don't kid yourself. Jesus sees what's inside. He knows what you're thinking, and He knows what you're feeling. And and, in John chapter two, uh, chapter over in verses uh, uh, twenty-three through uh, thirty-five, I'll just read those real quick. If you, if you, if I can, He said. You're talking about how Jesus sees everything. He's the discerners of hearts. So now when he's in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed his name when they saw signs that he did. But Jesus, what he say, what the Bible says, he did not commit himself to them. Because why? The Bible says, because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, because He knew what was in man. In other words, he knew what was in their heart. He saw and he knew. You know, he knows everything. There's a group of people that, you know, they wanted to follow the Lord, but Jesus doesn't commit himself to them. They believe Jesus, but Jesus didn't believe in them. (laughs) Why? Because he looked inside their hearts and he saw why they were followed. They were only following him because of the miracles that he did. They weren't ready to commit for real. They were seeking uh, sensationalism for their own desires. Believe and commit's two different things, isn't it? Believe and commit's two mis- uh, different things. They're, they're synonyms in the Bible. Warren Risby, uh, one of the great uh, authors and commentators, I believe, in the Word of God, he calls these people in, in, in John chapter 9 unsaved believers. <laughs> Uh, You know, it's one thing to respond to a miracle. It's one thing to to get excited about that. But it's another thing to really believe on Jesus Christ. These were just, there was no commitment. There was no commitment. America, I would say, is full of churches with unsaved members. (laughs) I read something the other day, and uh, I, I hope they were teasing they said, you know, if the rapture happened on Sunday morning, a lot of churches wouldn't even have to look for another pastor, and <laughs> <Isn't> that's sad. <laughs> Remember the parable of the sower. Only 25 percent of the seed took as much as uh, of the other 75 percent, seeing you know something stirred them, but they had no depth in the earth. And so Jesus could see right through them, and as he could look in their heart, inside the heart of First Peter uh, one forty two, he said, "Thou art Simon." Thou shalt be a stone. This, you know, that's a period of time between the two. I thank God, for the period of time when God works on us to make me to make us who we're supposed to be, but we should have patience with other people, uh, <clears throat> you know, one another through those times as well. You know, if God, if you don't let God work on you, you you're going to be a, 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 a old spiritual baby. <laughs> so you know, God. Thank God sees me not for who I am this morning, but for my potential. You say, well, you know, God doesn't see you where you are this morning. He sees your potential. He knows how special you are. He knows how, you know, he continues molding and shaping. Uh, He He didn't just save you to see you as the sinner that you were. He saved you because he saw how you shall be. Thank God for that. So... If someone doesn't like who you are this morning, just ask them to be patient because God's not finished yet. Just God's not finished yet. He's still working on you. He's still working on me. God saw inside Nathaniel in on one forty-seven. He saw. Remember, he saw right through the woman at the will. And then in chapter five, verse forty-two, he was talking to the hypocritical Jewish leaders. And you know, it it would be wrong for us to make an assertion about somebody's heart. But Jesus can because he sees the heart. He knows the heart. We have a Savior who sees. In 6, uh, 46, about Judas, he knew in advance that he was going to betray him, didn't he? In eight, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 10 through 11, what he say? Go and sin no more. Jesus could have let the adulteress off the hook so easily. You say, well, what he let her off so easily? Back then, you know, be stoned to death. He saw her heart. <laughs> he knew that she was sincerely repentant. I, how many are glad that if you are sincere in your repentance, and belief in Jesus, that He doesn't throw the book at you? <laughs> thank God! I'm so thankful for His mercy and His grace. He doesn't. He lets you off the hook. Uh, thank God for mercy and grace. I, you know, somebody somebody asked me one time, so "What's the difference between mercy and grace? Aren't they the same thing?" And uh, the only way I can think of it is if uh, I got pulled over in Oklahoma, uh, doing 90 miles an hour in a 70, and the cop pulled me over, and I I said, officer, I know I was speeding, but I'm hungry, and I'm taking the kids to McDonald's. (laughs) uh, This didn't happen this way. (laughs) I have sent the state of Oklahoma a nice check, but uh, what if that officer would have said, you know what, Jeff, I'm going to let you off the hook. That's mercy. <laughs> I, I, I was guilty. I should, I, my punishment was to pay that fine. But he said, if he says, Jeff, I'm going to let you off the hook, that's mercy. And then if he reached in his wallet and gave me a $20 of bill and he said, I'm going to buy the kids dinner, that's grace. <laughs> that's grace. See, Mercy was not getting my ticket. Grace was him buying dinner it didn't happen that way but but that that's the difference between mercy and grace so you know god sees us as a, as a, as a sinner before we become come to christ and he says you know what we repent and say god please forgive me my sins cleanse me from and and, and he says do you know what i'm going to give you mercy you're forgiven i will remember your sins no more and then he comes along and he says not only that i'm going to give you the holy spirit and I'm going to build a mansion for you in heaven someday, so you could spend eternity with me. That's grace. That's grace. So He gives us mercy, and He gives us grace. Thank God for that. Thank God for that this morning. Amen. How many are glad that you know for that? And then in chapter 8:40, His enemies, when Jesus confronted with His enemies, He knew that they had a He knew that they had murder in their heart. Uh, though they hadn't vocalized it, once again God sees the heart. We can make the outside. Most people, except me, most people can make the outside look pretty good. But imagine if you put that much effort to making the outside look good into making the inside look good. <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be beautiful? <laughs> but let's be honest with ourselves and with God and with others who see who sees. Jesus sees the insight. He knows your problems this morning. But thank God he knows the solutions. I'm glad that even though sometimes I feel like I'm as dumb as a box of rocks and it seems like I can't make a good decision to save my life, Jesus could look down and say, well, at least he's sincere. (laughs) At least he's sincere. He's a dumb sheep, but his heart's in the right place, and he's my sheep. Thank God for that. He knows all about our struggles. No one understands like Jesus. No one. Thank God for good friends. Thank God for godly parents. Thank God for, for a, a, a godly church to go to. Thank God for a godly pastor. But nobody understands like Jesus. Nobody really does. Tenderly he whispers comfort to every broken heart he heals. And that's what he sees. That's what he sees. And secondly, what he searches... In verse, the latter part of verse six, he said, "Wilt thou be made whole?" Huh? <laughs> that seems like a dumb question, doesn't it? If you're if you're laying on a on a on a on a, on a bed on the floor for 38 years trying to get in the pool, and everybody peeps you to the healing pool where the healing waters are, and then Jesus comes along and he says, "Hey, you want to get better?" <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be your answer, I would think. But, you know, it seems really like a ridiculous question, but the fact is, and I don't mean to be unkind, but some folks don't want to get well today. Uh, you know, some don't even know they're sick, especially spiritually, and some do but don't care. Uh, you know, some want to be sick. Not real sick, but sick. It uh, gets attention. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've learned some people, especially back home, I told you uh, I, I had a, a, a church that was, we had a lot of sick people. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, you know, you make conversation, how you doing? How you feeling? And you better get ready for organ recital because <laughs> they're going to tell you everything that's wrong. And some people, some people want that. Uh, I, always, I still love to watch the Andy Griffith Show. And uh, uh, I remember there was a, a fic, uh, fictional character on Andy Griffith Show was Emma Watson, and Emma Watson was always, oh my rheumatism! You know, she was always, my, you know, the farmers won't give me my pills. I probably won't be around much longer. It's, you know, every every time she was in a scene on the show, uh, she was telling you how bad things were. And Sheriff Taylor, Eddie Taylor, I, I started laughing. I still laugh when I when I see him say it. He said, "Oh, Miss Emma Watson, she's been enjoying poor health for years <laughs> because she just she just loved to talk about it." You know. And uh, it's the attention, you know. Uh, and sadly, I think in, in in our country today, sometimes if Jesus showed up and said, "Let me, you know, I'm going to make you whole," he'd say, "Don't touch me; you'll ruin my disability." <laughs> but, but, but I would think, by and large, most people, if you have an infirmity, you want to get better, <laughs> you want to get healed. But sometimes it's I I, I was reading. Uh, i read a couple of accounts, and I guess it's true that, you, you know, you all heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It was built about 900-plus years ago, and it was leaning due to, to a faulty foundation. And for centuries, they tried to find ways to fix it, but they couldn't. And eventually, some engineer uh, came up with a way and said, you know, if we do this, this, and this, we could straighten this baby up. And then the, the, the council decided, they voted on it, and they decided... No, let's leave it like it is, <laughs> and the reason why is because it's a tourist attraction. You know they don't want to straighten it out. Uh, they they enjoy the tension. They get tourist dollars in there. Uh, and sadly, some people simply don't want to get saved. No matter how much you plead with them, they don't. They've gotten comfortable with themselves and they don't want to change. Have you ever talked to somebody? especially maybe somebody that's a little advanced in years about the Lord, and they say, well, I'm too old to change now. You know? I've heard that before, haven't you? They've been upside down so long, they don't want to be right side up. But let me say, you know, that if you're messed up spiritually this morning and don't want to change, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. What freedom. There's so much freedom in the Lord. There's so much freedom in the Lord. Uh, Jesus said, will you be made whole? In other words, do you want to be healed? He's telling the lost person this morning, do you want to be saved? Do you want eternal life in heaven? Do you want joy? Do you want peace? Do you want fellowship? Listen, he's not going to force anybody to come to him, is he? He respects your free will. He respects your free will so much that God may move you, meaning the Holy Spirit may convict you, but he's not going to mug you. He's not going to push you. <laughs> he respects your free will so much that not only will he let you continue to live in sin, he'll allow you to follow that sin all the way to hell if that's your choice. Sadly. We see a Savior who sees, who searches, and then lastly, we see what he says. What he tell him? First thing he said, rise. That's something he couldn't do before, was it? he laid there for 38 years, and Jesus walks by. So many things change when Jesus walks by. But he said, rise. Then he said, what? Take up your bed. <laughs> take up your bed. You know what that means? No safety net. No relapse. No retreat. Get up. Take up your bed. And then what was his last thing he told him? He said, walk. <laughs> he said, walk. You know, what he, you know what that also means? Start taking care of yourself. <laughs> you can take care of yourself now. Jesus passed by. You can take care of yourself with his help. That's three things he couldn't do before. I can't imagine. I've thrown my back out a few times, and, and the pain lasted two or three weeks. I couldn't imagine 38 years. <laughs> and then Jesus says, Get up, get rid of your safety net, and walk. You're healed. God's commandments are enabling think about. It. Sometimes we think of God's commandments as, don't do this, don't, you know, like he's, some, don't want you to have any fun. <laughs> you know, he just, he, but no, when he gives you a commandment, you know what he's doing? He's empowering you. He's enabling you. When he, when he commanded him to get up and walk, he was enabling him. You know, he was a new person. God won't command you to do something you can't do with, uh, without his help. And you notice here, the salvation was immediate. It's immediate. Verse 9, it happens in an instant. It's not a process. I want to just say, well, okay, first you've got to do this. you got to do... All you have to do is ask God to forgive you for your sins. It's immediate. He says, get up and walk. It happens the second you believe. And then notice in verse 15 that we read, he made it public. He made it public. That's a good indication you're serious. <laughs> If you love the Lord enough to tell somebody about it, that's a good indication you're serious. That's a good indication you're serious. If you love the Lord enough to be in his house every chance you get, that's a good indication you're serious. Isn't that true? You know, If you love him this morning, your whole life should revolve around him. It should. It should be the first thing you you think about. It's true love. I was thinking about love uh, the other day. And uh, I believe it's John chapter 21, uh, before Jesus ascended sent back into heaven. And you remember, he, he a pastor preached a sermon a few weeks ago on on the Apostle Peter. And you remember how he denied Christ three times. And in, in chapter 21 of, of John, he confronts Peter. Uh, remember these guys were fishing; they weren't catching nothing. Uh, they must have been using the same kind of bait I use. And then Jesus said, throw the net, your nets on the other side. And remember, Jesus came face to face. He looked Peter in the eye, and he didn't say, Peter, do you believe? He didn't ask him, you know what, what did he say? Do you love me? <laughs> do you love me, Peter? And Peter said, yes, I love you, Lord. And then what did he say? He asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And then the third time, he said, Peter, do you love me? That's full restoration. Do we love him this morning? So say, oh, I believe in God. You know, I, I, I go to church. Uh, I, I, I volunteer this, I volunteer that. Nothing wrong with that. But do you really love him? <laughs> do you really? Are you doing it out of duty? Are you doing it because mom and dad expect you to? Are you doing it because uh, brother, or sister, so-and-so uh, talk bad about me if I'm not there and do this? are you do, because you really love him he's looking at you this morning and he's saying you 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 do you love me do you say yes lord I love you He said. second time do you love me do you love me what did he say Matthew 28 come unto me all ye that are what labored and what heavy burdened he knows if you're carrying a burden this morning just like this man by the pool and then what did he say I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I don't know. I don't know if this is. I hope. Hope this is for somebody this morning. that might wanted to hear that. Might needed to hear this or re hear it. You know. I don't know. There could be somebody in here this morning. You have a ton of pressure on you. Matthew twenty eight. You know. Eleven twenty eight. You know what the Lord's saying? Come unto me. <laughs> Come unto me. He's walking by. It's like you're laying by the pool, by the healing waters. But he's saying, Come unto me. You know, maybe you've talked to other people about your problems, a confidant, you know, and there seems to be no answer. Jesus is saying, Come unto me. Maybe you, you're in a financial bind and you just can't, and, and you've been scraping by for so long and it's got you depressed because you don't see. Jesus is Come unto me. Come unto me. Maybe you feel alone. You know, there's, we have a lot of lonely people in the world. We, uh, sometimes this happens a lot with our elderly people. The, the kids are in a different state, move out, this, that, you know, and they feel alone. Jesus says, If you feel alone, you know what he says? Come unto me. Come unto me. Whatever your problem is, Jesus says, Come unto me. Maybe you're lost this morning. Maybe you've never really known him in the true pardon of sin. You know what he's saying? Come unto me. You're labored. You're heavy burden, I'll give you rest. But if you're following your own will over the will of the Lord, he's telling you what what he told this man at the pool. Will you rise and be healed? Do you want to be healed this morning? It's not a process. It happens instantly. The moment you believe, there is healing in his words. Thank God for that. But it goes back to the question he asked Peter three times. Do you love him? Do you know him as your Savior this morning? He's saying, come unto me. He wants to give you eternal life. And the best part about it, it's free. <laughs> we, we can't earn it. I can't work hard enough to get it. I definitely don't have enough money to buy a mansion in heaven. <laughs> or eternity with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he's saying, come unto me. Come unto me. Do you know him this morning? That's the most crucial question you'll ever answer and it's asking, he's asking you this morning, number one, do you love him? Do you love him? You say, well, I'm saved. I'm a believer. Do you love him? Oh, I love the Lord. <laughs> do you love him? <laughs> do you love him? Is everything you do motivated by your love for Christ? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? He says, come unto me today is the day of salvation let's pray heavenly father god we're so thankful that you love us this morning father help us love you more and more lord help us love you like we ought to love you lord like you deserve to be loved lord thank you so much that we don't have to we find ourselves in a position lord trouble, Father, that we don't have to stay in that condition because, Lord, we know you're walking by this morning. Father, we know you want to touch hearts this morning. Lord, there may be somebody in here that's really going through maybe one of the worst spots in their life, and you're telling them this morning, Father, through your word, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be whole? You're saying, come unto me. Father, may they give that burden, that situation over to you father lord we thank you for your love lord bless hearts lord touch lives lord thank you for everyone that's here lord we just pray that you'd bless the homes lord if anybody doesn't know you're a personal savior father that they would come forward or talk to a believer lord and get their hearts settled today father that they may know you in a personal and a real way for it's in jesus name amen
1: God is good. He takes care of us more than what we expect Him to do for us. And He takes care of us because we are His children. And so let's sing that song, God, You're So you're so Good. One more time, let me ask everyone to please rise. And let's sing it like we meant it, that God is so good to us. He's so faithful. He loves us that He gave His one and only Son.
2: So good because you're gracious. We thank you for this morning for the wonderful worship experience. We thank you for the marvelous message brought by your faithful servant, Pastor Smith. We pray, Father, that you continue to bless our Pastor dear as he ministers to our fellow Baptists in Tucson. Give him journey mercies. Father, thank you. We ask you dismiss us with your blessings, sending us forth to a world that desperately needs Jesus. In
0: his name we ask it. Amen.